Injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. Moments like this, these last two football games, being able to do what we've done, energize a city, right? Energize a, a, a town, energize fans, uh, is only going to make us better moving forward. And that's the part that I'm excited about. No one, no one thought we should be here, and we just kept believing. And it's really cool, really cool to be a part of. And, and it was special. And like I said, just the beginning. You know, I, I go back to April, and I, I told the team in April, I said, expect to play playoff games on the road in Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Kansas City. You know, I think that was this this year, obviously, was huge for, for this organization, for our city, for just our franchise, you know, moving forward. And, and it kind of sets the bar of, of, of who, who we're going to be and, and what we're going to do moving forward. And and that's the mindset and, the, and we won't settle for less than that and this this won't be this won't be the last you guys hear of us so we'll be back this boy got a hit you're listening to jaguars today with mike dempsey with tony smith and et come on Come on, somebody, indeed. Don't fade out there, Aiden. You got to finish strong. You're coming at you. I got to give him that say. I got to teach him how to say it with his chest. Right? Come on, somebody. <laughs> I think that was one of his first ones way back in the day. How was your weekend, E.T.? Oh, man, the weekend was good, man. It was action-packed. I got a lot done, but I'm glad to be back on air with you, boys. Action-packed yeah. this weekend, huh? Action-packed weekend. Host, Tony, host you have an game. action-packed weekend as no, well? No, it was huh? a laid-back weekend. All good. Me too. For, yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Played a little golf. Not even in golf shape. That's sad. <laughs> Riding around. <laughs> Riding around. Riding around. Hitting. Don't you walk? Or? No, I ride. Okay. You know, ride me. I walk, walk to walk, the ball. To the ball, but <laughs> walk up on the green. But, oh, man, I tell you, that's a story for another day, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, good morning, everybody. We'll be back, said Trevor Lawrence. Uh, are you more frustrated, less frustrated, proud that you lost to the team that is representing the AFC in the Super Bowl? You know what I mean? Like, uh, you watch and you go, oh, man, we're this close to beating that team, and now they're going on. We could have handled the Cincinnati Bengals now. Not quite sure we would have got five downs to try and do it, but that's okay. You know, <laughs> look, uh, <laughs> I kind of joke because uh, that was one of the big talking points coming out of yesterday. We'll discuss those games a little bit. believe it when it happened. Like, as soon as he said it on the mic, I was like, it well, was an it, incomplete pass. What's going on? It, it took so long. And they did show. The, the re, there was a ref trying to Run wave on, the play yeah. off, you know, to, to stop the clock. And why did it take as long as it did? It's like that guy was out there saying, did he say what I thought he said? Is I think that, he said what I think he was, said. Was he waving his arms to stop the clock? And, yeah, I know, right? And, and let's bring him back out. And Yeah. Of course, they didn't score on that drive, no, the, the Chiefs, yesterday. But, I, you know, to me, I, I'll be honest with you, I watched a lot of it with the sound off yesterday. I do that mm-hmm. when I'm home sometimes. Uh, I watched both games. I probably missed the first 10 minutes of the uh, NFC Championship game, getting back from the golf course. Mm-hmm. And then by then it was over. Right. <laughs> Brock yeah. Purdy had been hurt. Take long, yeah. Game was over. Uh, although it was close at halftime, right? I mean, it was still technically a game. They just uh, – San Francisco couldn't mount any offense in that game. But – 
Uh, to me, Tony, the quote of yesterday was, and I hope I'm getting it right because I did turn it on for whatever reason. Like, I don't watch the postgame celebrations all that much, but mm-hmm. I flipped it on maybe because I was going to get ready after I was waiting for the games to end. I was going to watch The Last of Us last night. Okay. And uh, Patrick Holmes goes, I don't have any cigars, but I am going to the Super Bowl. And I just thought, <laughs> yeah, if you don't think uh, guys internalize bulletin board material. Now, do I think the Chiefs won because the Bengals were clearly the more arrogant, cocky squad going into it? No, I no. don't. Because if Joseph Asai doesn't shove Patrick Mahomes out of bounds, I mean, they still could try a really long field goal there, but the odds are dramatically less that were not going to overtime yeah. yesterday. So I don't think it was it had anything to do with the trash talking uh, at the end. I think you file that away in the back of your mind, and at least that's how I am. Like if if someone slights me in some way, <laughs> I wait. I can wait, man. Re- revenge, they say, is a dish best served cold. Yeah. Um, that was pretty cold blooded. Some of the comments I saw in the post game yesterday. Look, and we've discussed this so many times over the years, right? It's you can't change one thing without knowing what else would have changed in a game, right? You can't. They screwed up with the third down, and then they came back and gave them the redo, right? So the fifth down on that particular mm-hmm. drive, and they got the penalty to get the first down. Yeah, Cincinnati would like to have that minute 10 or whatever I'm ran sure off would. the clock on that drive still allowed to play out in the final, you know, minute of that game if the officials had just called it right, you know, the first time. But they didn't. It played out the way it did. And as we've discussed, again, over the years, I've discussed this over and over, I don't blame the officials for losing unless there's a blatantly obvious re- – like the Saints years ago in the NFC Championship game when their guy got Pass tackled. interference. Right. right. Like it's like everyone in the world who watches football knew the referees screwed up, and they knew they screwed it up so bad that they actually allowed that to be a reviewable play for a couple years and just said, we're never going to change the call. I don't know why you guys even want to bother with this challenge. That's how the, the league wound up handling that when everything was said and done. But unless it's something that blatant, and I didn't think anything in yesterday's game was that blatant. They screwed up on the clock for sure. Yeah, no right? doubt. And they, they redid the play. That stinks that you had the pass interference on the back end of that to give them the first down. But even the hit out of bounds, and I've seen the clips of the was he holding on the offensive line on the same play. You know, we could do that with every single playoff game basically that's ever been played. Is or this every holding game or not? that's yeah. ever been played. Is there holding on the backside and of the play? it's by the playoffs, for uh, There's sure. no question yeah. about it. And I'm not doubting that they missed calls, but, you know, you're seeing a lot come forward from the Cincinnati side because they're the ones that lost the game. No doubt. The Chiefs fans are not busy digging up examples of blown calls. They're busy celebrating the fact that they're headed to the Super Bowl. No doubt. And that's the way it goes. A couple of thoughts when you talk about that play at the end of the New Orleans uh, L.A. Rams game. Even the, even that, okay, that one we're saying, well, in that moment, like everything that's led to that, if this call goes the different way, the outcome's probably different. But were there three, four, five different calls that had they been called a different way prior in the game, never would have allowed that moment to have that kind of impact, right? Mm-hmm. And you just don't know. You don't know. When it comes to that type of situation. And when you say that, Bengals would like the extra 90 seconds or whatever amount of time on the clock. Well, KC might have had a leisurely stroll down to the 10-yard oh, sure. line. They would you know have done I mean? it differently. Right. Yeah. They, they wouldn't have been scrambling to to get up there and have Mahomes racing to get out of bounds and try to kick the field goal. I mean, he still needed to convert the first down. But 
Um, it was interesting, and now he's got two weeks to rest up. I, I'm not saying it'll be completely healed, but I, I don't think you can even point to that as being an issue um, unless he's clearly hobbled from the jump. That's a good pass rush that Philadelphia is bringing to the table. No and doubt. in this whole thing, Philadelphia is going to get recognized, well, yeah, San Francisco is playing their fourth-string quarterback. Well, that's, you know, did how many games have they lost with Brock Purdy? And I granted, he's a third-stringer, mm-hmm. you know? So you go in, you play what you got, and that's part of football, man. I mean, the, the Eagles down the stretch lost some games because Jalen Hurts wasn't was able say, to play. They lost three games this year, and two of them their guy didn't play. It's pretty amazing. They set the record for the most rushing touchdowns in a season. By any team, uh, regular and postseason combined. Now, you've got a lot more games to play than you used to. Uh, you know, even the postseason, so you have more opportunities sure. to set that record. But you're going back, you know, in, in an era of pass-happy offenses to realize what they've been able to do on the ground this year. But it's not like Jalen Hurts wasn't out there slinging the rock this year. 22 touchdowns against only six interceptions, but he set a quarterback record for the most rushing touchdowns in a single season, postseason included with 15. Man, that Eagles team inside the 10, how do you defend them? So tough. Yeah. Right? I mean, this is a team in San Francisco that gives up almost nothing on the ground, and it was one rushing score after another uh, for Philadelphia yesterday in that game. So if you want to get into it a little bit, your reaction to the AFC and NFC championship games, uh, you know, if, if you are a believer that – uh, the NFL is hashtag rigged, uh, then, you know, you probably got some confirmation bias going on yesterday. If you watch a lot of football and realize that refs screw up calls all the damn time, <laughs> you're probably disgusted with the level of refereeing at the highest level of football. But yeah. um, I, I'm not down with the hashtag NFL rig side. But if you are, you know, I, I get it. Um, particularly, I think it, the mechanics of – making that call and allowing another third down opportunity in the amount of time it took yeah. when everyone's coming off the field, the the punt team's on the field. It took so long to blow that off. Yeah, you can uh, understand the Cincinnati sideline losing its mind. Totally understand. Right, and then uh, you give up the first down on the other side. I mean, there was a lot of that, you know, going on yesterday. It, it's the – you stop the game to take a look – at the punt, right, to make sure whether or not it hit the wire. But we don't stop the game for the Devontae Smith catch. Sure. Right? Like, it's what is the deal here from the league's perspective? If the, if we're that worried about making sure we get it right as to whether or not we can see a ball hit a wire on a punt, why wouldn't the same emphasis be placed on that big a moment in this big a game? Uh, it is what it is, though, when everything is said and done, because clearly they didn't even show the replay on TV that made it look like it was incomplete until after they got back from the break. Right. Like, they came back, and then they showed the other one from the backside, and it was like, yeah, the ball hit the ground. Yeah. Like, why does the league need anybody else to stop it for that big a play in this big a game? I don't want every play to be reviewed necessarily, but, man, it just the contrast of those two things happening in an NFC championship game and then the way that it ended in the AFC championship game. I mean, yeah, uh, for all the people that hate the officials, yesterday gave you more reason to hate the officials in the NFL. Well, you know, like, does the NFL really need Andy Reid versus the Philadelphia Eagles? I mean, I, no. it's a good storyline. Do, yeah. Does it matter? Pick two teams, and I can give you the great storylines for any of them, right? Like, you can pick for any sure. 
any team that's not a perennial contender, that's a great story in and of itself. Uh, is Joe Burrow supplanting Patrick Mahomes as, what do you want to call it, the face of the National Football League, the, the preeminent spot in the National Football League, if he were to beat him for a fourth consecutive time? And move on to the Super Bowl? And, you know, does he need to beat Jalen Hurts to be considered the current best in the National Football League? There's so many storylines out there. The, yeah. the whole Kelsey versus Kelsey, who cares? I could care less that yeah. Travis Kelsey is playing against his brother Jason Kelsey in this game. They won't be on the field at the same time, you know, but that to me <laughs> means absolutely nothing. Uh, and by the way, people are going to watch the Super Bowl in probably a record amount of eyeballs uh, on it, and I don't know if it really matters For sure. who was playing. And granted, yeah, there are some good storylines with Kansas City and Philadelphia, but again, it's the NFL, man. It's good storylines yeah. across the board. Which metropolitan area of two million people do they want to rig it for this time, I, right? Like, it's the whole idea. Of but as I look, a little um, number one trending thing in my Twitter timeline is Bengals at Chiefs. Number two is hashtag NFL rig. Huh? So, there you go. Uh, NFL... Uh, you know, is this a case like with the college football playoff where no one was ever happy with the system, but the line was, well, at least they're talking about them. Is that, the, I don't know, maybe they do care or maybe they care that that they are having aspersions cast on their credibility at this point in time. Right. I feel like this happens every year, though, in the postseason. This the, is, one yeah. team or another uh, is the poster child for getting screwed by the referees. It's an annual tradition. And it's, uh, by the way, every fan base that loses feels like they've got the short end of it to some degree or another. All right, today, let's take a look at your Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, mock draft Monday is nope. kind of what we're, you know, uh, there's so many of them that have built up that typically by now, you and I would have been spending three, four days a week looking yeah, at the latest two months versions, into this at least. Yeah. Right? I mean, mock draft after mock draft. I peek every once in a while uh, and have throughout the process as the Jags pick got worse and worse and worse, which means they were playing better and better and better. And they'll have the 24th pick in the draft. Don't be confused if you see them listed with the 25th pick. That's usually people who do a mock draft and they put Miami in at their normal spot and then they just say forfeited next to it because they don't have that pick. The Jags will have the 24th player of their choice uh, after 23 are off the board. They'll get the next pick in this year's NFL draft. But we'll look at a bunch of mocks. Uh, today and uh, the question today kind of goes into that doesn't have to be draft related doesn't have to be free agent related it doesn't even have to be player related mm -hmm. if you want to interpret this question uh, in a different way you're welcome to the Chad and Sandy real estate question today asking as of today what is the biggest need that the Jacksonville Jaguars have heading into the offseason you know this time last year you would have said head coach <laughs> we don't have one uh, because uh, you didn't I think Thursday is the one-year anniversary of Doug Peterson getting hired to be the Jags head coach. You might have said new GM. You might have said any number of things. For sure. Um, and however you feel about it, what you think the biggest need the Jags have, that's what we're looking for heading into the offseason. Yeah, there's been a flurry of people answering pass rush. I don't disagree with that. Uh, but uh, you know what? If Even if you want to acknowledge pass rush and then say, in addition to that, we got to worry about this, whatever the case may be. Let's discuss that today and kind of set the baseline for what the Jags need to do to uh, close the gap on teams like Kansas City and Cincinnati, and maybe we'll be talking about them next year. Oh, my gosh, what a magical two weeks that would be, heading into uh, the Jags' first-ever Super Bowl appearance. But there's 
lot of football that's going to have to be played between now and then. So if you want to get on board today, 641-1010 on the phone lines or on the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures or hit us up on Twitter at MD underscore 1010XL at 1010XL Fat Tony and at IME2 the T. Come on, somebody. All right, here we go. Jaguars today off and rolling on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Now, more Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, ET here with you. Uh, Congratulations to Jamal Agnew for being named to the Pro Bowl, uh, the first and so far only Jaguar uh, to make it to the Pro Bowl this year. I guess he replaces Devin Duvernay, who's not going to show up for that. And I, I looked at the numbers, and I get it. Duvernay... Had didn't have that many actual returns. Thirty-one total returns. Amazing, you can make the Pro Bowl on thirty-one touches, right? I mean, <laughs> that's not that many to a game. Yeah, Pro Bowl. I remember you had the touchdown week one, right? And that was the only touchdown he yeah. scored this year. But look, he did score, right? He averaged twenty-five and a half points on, or excuse me, yards on kickoff returns. Agnew averaged twenty-six, just slightly better. Uh, but Duvernay, a more accomplished punt return specialist, nearly 12 yards a punt return. Agnew's just over eight uh, this year. Uh, but Jamal Agnew will go as uh, the replacement for Devin Duvernay, but uh, it'll go down on his resume that he is a pro bowler uh, this year. We'll get back to him in a second. Somebody, I did not even know this was the case until somebody tweeted me a uh, a note on this about Tyler Huntley (laughs) of the Ravens being like the fourth alternate in the AFC for the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Which, whatever, fourth alternate. But you know who's not one of the first three alternates? Trevor freaking Lawrence Mm -hmm. is not one of the first three alternates. Tyler Huntley, who went two and three as a starter, including the playoffs this year, who had more interceptions thrown than touchdowns in his four regular season starts. He threw two touchdowns and three picks. He ran for one score. Mm -hmm. Is the fourth Pro Bowl alternate in the AFC. How is this even allowed? Uh, It doesn't make any sense. Any, I don't care if if every Raven fan and every internet troll in the world stuffed the ballot box for Tyler Huntley, that's only supposed to be one-third of the vote is the fan – aspect of it why would anyone else vote for Tyler Huntley to go to the Pro Bowl at all ever I mean not this year based on the numbers he put up it's just one of the oddest things yeah you'll ever see um we're just saying on the break would Trevor Lawrence even go would he say hey you know I don't need to play in your glorified flag football game yeah. um I'm nursing a toe injury on the beach Somewhere. Right. By the way, how do they do that? It, it goes, how does it go, Eli Apple? It goes three, two, one, Cancun. Is that how we do it? Or, or is it Cabo? or Something like that, yeah. How do we do that? I, yeah. I, I do got to say, I love, it's one thing if it's your guy. And I'm not even a big have my guy be a trash talker because you better win if mm-hmm. that's the case. But damn do I love when people that don't have a particular rooting interest start running their mouth like a crazy person. Yeah. And then it gives me something to root for. And, like, Eli Apple has been known as a corner who routinely gets destroyed by good wide receivers in the National Football League. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't even care about him running his mouth at Stephon Diggs. I don't have any particular rooting interest for Stephon Diggs, but Eli Apple acting like he single-handedly beat the Buffalo Bills and <laughs> was going to take the Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. what are we doing here, yeah. man? Uh, Jacoby Brissett probably has a better argument to be a Pro Bowl quarterback this year. I'm sure he does. And I'm not does. even looking at Brissett's numbers, but I would bet you yeah. – I would. I have to agree, yes. You know, there's so many guys in the AFC. Russell Wilson probably has a better argument to be a Pro Bowl quarterback. I mean, how do you not – if you're the NFL, and I understand it's supposed to be this much of the vote comes from here, this much comes from here, this much comes from here. When you get a vote like this that is certainly mm-hmm. obviously skewed and you look at it and you're like, all these people voted for Tyler Huntley. What's the joke? Like, how are we going to allow yeah. this – to happen maybe they don't care the Ravens fans mobilized you know like, I guess but, I, but you shouldn't determine your year-end awards based on this group of fans mobilized like there should be wonder if Tyler Huntley's got a Pro Bowl bonus in his contract I hope he does uh, that'd be phenomenal for, for his him. sake and if he does I hope he was leading him <laughs> galvanizing the fan base to vote for him for the Pro Bowl right do what you got to do and maybe it's just as simple as now they don't have a Pro Bowl game Right, it is a flag football game, and I'm not uninterested in watching Tyler Huntley play Pro Bowl. You know, like flag football quarterback. I think he's actually okay. pretty interesting to watch play flag football quarterback. But no good argument can be made for Tyler Huntley to be a Pro Bowler. Like for the rest of his life, Huntley is a Pro Bowler. Correct. Right. It's forever he's a Pro Bowler, and there's guys out there who, like Trevor Lawrence, who don't have one yet. It, uh, Fred Taylor has won. Yeah. And quite frankly, and I, I've said this before, uh, n- nobody wants to hear this. You go back and look at Fred, I don't think he got screwed in that many years. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the individual year and you look at what the guys who went to the Pro Bowl that year did, you're like, well, damn, they're pretty good. And now you're, you're like, well, how come Trevor doesn't have more? Well, damn, Tyler Huntley did throw those two touchdowns yeah. back in 2022. Yeah, he had three picks, but those two touchdowns were a thing of beauty. Okay. Uh, so, Jamal Agnew does make it for the Jags. We're happy about that. First uh, Pro Bowler for the Jags since 2019. <sighs> they had Calais Campbell that year. You can count Jalen if you want to. Uh, oh, he made it. For that 2019 season. Josh Allen was a Pro Bowler that year. DJ Chark was a Pro Bowler that year for the Jags. But it's 2020-21. Uh, they didn't get one. So, first okay. in three years. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Jamal Agnew, I think, is great at what he does. Mm-hmm. And... Here's my question to you. How big of a priority is it to bring back Jamal Agnew even if you don't get any cap relief from his contract? His cap hit this year is nearly $6 bucks. If I have to absorb that whole thing, I'm going to do it. Oh, yeah. Uh, without question. What he gives you, you as a You returner, and I say without question, Tony. Yeah. There is a lot of people out there I going, know. well, sorry, we'll just have to find a return man on the cheap. I get that the they're going to have to find money. Right, but he's beyond just a return man. He is among the top two or three return men in the league on top of giving you a guy that you can run three or four or five plays for in the offense for right. every week, and he's effective doing and it. And he has a it's, chance to pop a big one. Yeah, at $6 million, easy. Look, I grant you his fumble was one of the biggest negative plays of the year sure. for the Jags. I'm not going to bury Jamal Agnew for all he had done. I thought he was arguably the player of the game. For the Jags against Kansas City up until that point. Uh, and even if he didn't have that role in the offense, I think he is that good as a return guy that I'm going to look elsewhere. Now, look, 
would I want to sign him to a couple of year extension and maybe lower the cap hit this year? Sure. Sure. But I'm doing whatever I have to do to make sure that he is a part of the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2023. I mean, it's we already give short shrift to special teams, right? We don't just talk about it very much, but how many years have we joked, you know, oh, well, Josh Scobie's the best player on this team because he scores the points, or Logan Cook, you know, we got to have a good punter because this team sucks, and oh, Logan Cook's very good at what he does. Riley Patterson had a very nice season yeah. for the Jaguars. Jamal Agnew is a guy that can change the game for you just by getting the ball in his hands one time. And he did so several times during a run where the Jags kept winning games by one scores. And in, in comeback fashion, and if you don't have that guy as a weapon in the return game, I think it does change the way the back half of the season plays out for the Jaguars. I'm not even sure they're in the playoffs without Jamal Agnew. Might not be. And the impact that he had in, in the return game for this football team. So, yeah, I think he is – I think it would be pretty easy for me to make the decision if $6 million is what it's going to cost me to have him for next year. Yeah. If I can extend him for another year or two beyond that, that'd be awesome. If you could figure out a way to do that so that the cap number comes down, but uh, letting him walk away would be last on the list of options for me by a mile. All right. I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. Let's just name guys. Who are guys that are more important? to this football team than Jamal Agnew. I'm sure plenty of them, right? Because sure. generally your return guy is not at the top of the list in terms of importance, right? I'm not saying he's Devin Hester, right? Devin Hester is all-time greatest. Trevor Lawrence, more important. No doubt. This football team. Uh, Travis Etienne. Sure. I would say. Yeah. He's going to touch the ball a ton. I'm right? curious what they're going to do at running back potentially this offseason, but yeah. Yeah, either way. But, yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to have to get a significant contribution from yeah. Travis Etienne. Christian Kirk, yep, more valuable to this team. Um, Zay Jones? Yes. does. He's on the field a lot more. Yeah. He, he does contribute in ways beyond the, the numbers. Yeah. But you're starting to get into already, you're hesitating you a little it, yeah. bit, right? I mean, tough to, like, do you say the offensive line? Do you say each individual offensive lineman? Like, is Tyler Shatley more valuable than Jamal Agnew? I mean, he started. Yeah, I don't think so. He, right. Like, he's valuable. I think it's a whole lot easier to replace Shatley than it is Agnew. That's the way to put it. Yeah. Right? Now, I'm not saying that's the case with every offensive lineman out there, but, you know, wherever he fits, I bet he's higher on this team than most teams' return guy. And, like you said, has somewhat of an offensive role on this football team. I just mm – -hmm. I'm finding the way to make that work for – Less than six million, like five point eight million dollars in salary cap space, whatever. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, impact on this team. Because by the way, if you do move on from Jamal Agnew, you're, you're still eating a million in dead cap on him. You're saving nearly five million bucks. Mm -hmm. I get it, right? You got to get money from somewhere. Um, if you had to let Roy Robertson Harris go or Jamal Agnew go, who are you keeping? I'm keeping Agnew. So am I. I don't know if everybody else feels that way, but I'm keeping Agnew. As well. All right. Uh, let's come back and take a look for the first time. Draft talk is on the table <laughs> for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This won't be a daily occurrence, by the way, but it's a fair game now that the season is officially over for this football team. And uh, we just pulled together about a half dozen mock drafts, kind of set the baseline. And here's the thing. It's all over the place. What position they're going to go for. Yeah. What player within that position they might go for. So, Nobody is sitting here telling you we have any clue exactly who's even going to be available with the 24th pick in the draft. This is more of an exercise to see if 
teams are paying attention to what the Jaguars really need to do, or I say teams, what, whether these writers are paying attention to what the Jaguars really need to do this offseason. So we'll talk about it and uh, see how much we agree or disagree with some of the selections, at least the uh, position that they're leaning towards. Uh, we'll do that next, 641-1010. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, uh, decided we'll take a peek every Monday at the fresh meat out there when it comes to mock drafts. We'll do it every day during the week, but that's not to say we'll never look at a mock draft on a day other than a Monday, right? <laughs> right. You know, it is that time of year, uh, and like the guys at CBS crank went out on a weekly basis, and some of them have been doing it for a couple of months. It's part of their job, right, the, what to do, and some of that is, Mixing things up enough to make it interesting so mm -hmm. when you come back, you don't see the same name over and over and over again. Because all, after all, it's just one run-through of how things might go. So I don't get too tied up in specifically how some of these drafts go. I get more caught up, Tony, in how they project what the Jaguars need to do. Sure. Um, and it, it becomes more difficult the further you pick into the first round in terms of nailing the player, certainly – but even sometimes nailing the position because you don't know where there's going to be a run yeah. on, you know, cornerback. There's always a run on pass rusher if there are some elite guys in there, uh, for instance. But, yeah, it's hard to even say at this point what side of the ball the Jacks are going to draft in the first round. Right. And so, you know, you could make an argument that you got to go all defense, right? Just mm -hmm. because that seemed to be your weaker side of the football. But so much is going to depend on what happens in free agency as well. You and I, I think, are both operating under the assumption that Evan Ingram will be back here yeah. in Jacksonville, one way or the other, either a new contract or the franchise tag. Now, granted, if he's under the franchise tag, yeah, which I think they'll work out a contract with him, but if he is, I could see if you're a pundit who feels that the Jags, one of their top needs is tight end at the moment, and at the moment it is. I yeah. mean, at the moment. They've got Luke Farrell under contract, Yeah, right? a lot of the mocks I was looking at here over the last couple of days had tight end coming and almost under the assumption, well, their room right now is empty. Right. Right. So right. this makes sense right now. But even if Evan Ingram's back under the franchise tag, right. well, that's a one-year type situation. So in that circumstance, I don't know if that changes your need that dramatically. Now, you get anything beginning with a kind of a three-year extension or longer, mm -hmm. and I just – for me, I cannot prioritize that position, even though it's a good year for tight ends. Maybe that means you can get one a little bit later that can contribute. There are plenty of tight ends out there. Travis Kelsey was not a first-round pick. George Kittle was a fifth-round pick. Mm -hmm. Go hit the right one at the right spot. Now, Dallas Goddard was a first-round pick, you know, so uh, there, and so was Hayden Hurst. And I would argue that, <laughs> you know, the two guys I mentioned first are way better yeah, than no those doubt. guys who yep. went in the first round. Um, but I do see a lot of tight end to the Jaguars, and I think this is going to change dramatically by the time the actual draft mm -hmm. rolls around. You know, um, So uh, let's see what I pulled together here. I've got seven mocks uh, of varying lengths. Some of them are multiple rounds. I think there's even a seven-rounder in here. Shane Hallam over at uh, Draft Countdown put together a seven-round mock. So it's more fun, I think, to look at, are they getting the needs right 
for this football team and sometimes who's coming off the board right around them as well. Uh, I believe out of the seven, four of them have the Jags taking tight end, and there are three different tight ends represented <laughs> in some of these. So okay. we'll, we'll start with the, one of the latest ones here from Ryan Wilson of CBS, who has Dalton Kincaid uh, out of Utah going, and I think Michael Mayer is off the board. He is in this one, has him going to uh, the L.A. Chargers. So here we are. We had a call the other day uh, with the Jaguars take Keely Ringo. I'd be under consideration. Right, if if he fell there, uh, but in this one, Keely Ringo, the the corner out of Georgia, goes twentieth. Michael Mayer goes twenty first. Bijan Robinson goes twenty third because they're what is it? No, there's no twenty first. That's what it is. So that that's where they're confusing me. I don't mm-hmm. know why they just don't skip that and label them the actual number that they are. So what would be the twenty second pick? Michael Mayer of Notre Dame off the board to the Chargers. Bijan Robinson to the Ravens, which, look, I know they want to run the ball, man, but that seems like a terrible waste of assets yeah. for a team that just got J.K. Dobbins back and who, I don't know if you noticed, looked fantastic when he got the ball in his hands this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they made Gus Edwards a career, like, five-yard a carry player in that offense. I think that's a incredible waste of assets for a team that is just crying out for a number one wide receiver, but whatever. That's their issue. Uh, B.J. Ajaleri, uh out of LSU goes the pick before the Jags take Dalton Kincaid here out of Utah. Um, Dalton Kincaid says Ryan Wilson could end up being one of the best rookie offensive weapons in 2023, especially if Doug Peterson uses him like the Jags used Evan Ingram in 2022. Ingram and two other Jags tight ends currently free agents, so the team could certainly decide to re-up the former Giant first-rounder coming off a career year even still. Kincaid would only make Lawrence's life easier in 23. I don't doubt that. Mm-hmm. You know, the more weapons you have, sure, it's going to make things easier for Trevor Lawrence. I think, look, yes, we're adding Calvin Ridley, we presume, right, With the as long as he's reinstated. If you retain Evan Ingram, if you move on from Marvin Jones Jr. and you feel like you're upgrading to Calvin Ridley at the moment, right, the based on it, – it's it, a little bit of hope – goes into that because you really haven't seen him play that much in two seasons, but all the reporting is that he's in great shape, very eager to get back on the field. So if you think you're getting an upgrade and you've got Ridley and you've got Kirk and you got Zay Jones and you got Evan Ingram and whatever you may add in the backfield to Travis Etienne, Mm -hmm. I think the biggest improvement in that passing core or, or that pass catching core doesn't come from the addition of Calvin Ridley. It comes from the improvement in Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. right now uh, Trevor Lawrence made a big step from year one to year two I still feel like he's got a big step left in him because he didn't have that normal rookie season you know where there would be some growing pains but he would have seen a little bit more success I think they had to build him from the foundation up in some ways in terms of getting his confidence back things like that I still expect a big leap forward from Trevor Lawrence this offseason. I think that's where the biggest improvement comes from on offense. I do too, and I know we're going to continue to go through some of these mocks uh, from over the past week or so, but I think it's more likely to me in my mind that if they go on offense, it'll likely be an offensive lineman because I don't know what they're going to do with Jawan Taylor and what that situation is going to look like, and it feels more likely to me that they'll look at it and look with where they're drafting especially that there could be some kind of value on either an interior offensive lineman or a tackle that could come in and be the swing tackle for this team 
immediately when he gets here behind Cam Robinson and Walker Little potentially or behind Walker Little and Jawan Taylor potentially, whatever they happen to decide to do with those offensive tackles. I just feel like that's more likely than them going with a tight end in the first round, at at least for me at this point, and I don't think it's going to be running back. Are you saying the offensive lineman may help uh, Trevor Lawrence as well? I think they could. Yeah, yeah I would think like, so, right? And if I had to guess whether they were going to take offense or defense in the first round right now, I'd guess defense. I would because too. Because I don't know how they can get enough money to spend to have an impact with their pass rush or in the secondary right now. Hopefully they can go that, that veteran route. Like, like Arden Key's a vet, but I'd like to have him back, but that's not what I'm talking about. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if you could get a guy on a one-year type situation, I don't mind having that. I, I mean, don't either. You still have to draft and, and develop pass rush. There's no question about it, but there's nothing wrong with an impact guy who's shown he can be an 8-12 to 12 sack guy even if he's 33, 34, 35 years old, if sure. you're only looking at the short term of it. And I, I don't know how many of those guys are out there, you know? There may be a few, like yeah. a Justin Houston, somebody Maybe. like that. Yeah, and it's Brandon Graham is one. Because that's kind of who Arden Key was last year. But he's much younger. Right, and I'd really like to see Arden Key back in a Jaguars uniform next year, but that's sure. not upgrading your roster. Correct. Right, like that's, that's just that's trying to maintain the status quo up. with what you have, yeah. and who knows what's going to happen with Dewan Smoot. It certainly feels like we've come to the end of it with him, especially with the Achilles injury on top of it. Like it's There is a major, major gap there in that defensive front for a team that if you wanted to watch, uh, especially Kansas City and Philadelphia winning, their championship games yesterday, what they did was get after the opponent's backfield, right? They, they disrupted from moment one in both of those games yesterday, and Jacksonville right now simply doesn't have the horses to do that. Well, look at last week. Buffalo yeah. didn't either, right? I mean, this sure. same offensive line playing a bunch of backups for Cincinnati, and Joe Burrow was under a lot more duress. No doubt. Yesterday. Maybe they should have referred to <laughs> – you know, Burrowhead and Buffalo or something like Maybe, that to get yeah. them fired up. Uh, all right, let's play this game because okay. right, I got a bunch of mocks that I, I'd like to at least take a look at what the Jags are doing in them. Um, let me give you an ET, the list of names of players and their position that went after the Jaguars selection just for the first round, Okay, right? And is there, like, feeling how you feel? We can't know for sure Evan Ingram's coming back, right? But we feel like he is. So you can factor in – what you feel is going to happen. If you think Evan Ingram is going to get re-signed, if you think Calvin Ridley's getting reinstated, mm -hmm. if you think Juwan Taylor is staying or leaving, whatever the case may be, sure. you can factor that into your own mind. So in this one, Michael Mayer, the Notre Dame tight ends off the board, uh, Jags take Dalton Kincaid out of Utah, another tight end. The players that come after Dalton Kincaid, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. Now, saw this blurb the other day. By the way, I don't know if you guys caught this, that some NFL people, I, you never, you know, you got to always do the air quotes on this because that could mean anybody, yeah. right? Are we NFL people? No. We're not? Okay. <laughs> I don't, we don't call myself work for the an league? NFL person. Is J.P. Yeah. Shatterick an NFL person? Uh, so he gets a paycheck directly from the he Jaguars. Does, he does. All right. For instance, I'm but he saying, can qualify. I, I get what you're saying under this kind of broad term. You don't know who, yeah. who they're talking about, right? Yeah. But there were some that said, Jackson Smith and Jigba, JSN, as a lot of people call him, doesn't project to be anything more than a number three receiver in the NFL. Yeah. That he shouldn't be a first-round pick. Now, 
over the last three days or so, I did two shows on Sirius XM where we talked to guys who do a lot of draft stuff, and they both had uh, JSN number one on their board among all wide receivers. So, hmm. you know, there's a, a lot of funny things that go on at this time of year. So you got Smith to and see how that like shakes out after the combine. No doubt. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, I, I almost feel like it's too early to throw a smoke screen out yeah. there. You know what I mean? Like nothing is settled yet. No. You might be doing it unnecessarily. Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver out of Tennessee, Cam Smith, South Carolina corner, Anton Harris, offensive tackle out of Oklahoma, Drew Sanders, linebacker from Arkansas, Darnell Washington, another tight end, this one from Georgia, and Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Alabama. E, is there one on that list? It doesn't even have to be the player as much as maybe you just prefer the position that you would prefer overtaking the tight end with the 24th pick. None of them really ring a bell. I wanted a pass rusher. I don't think you said a pass rusher. There's no pass rusher listed here. So, Grant, there was a corner. Uh Cam Smith. Uh, pretty good size, six foot, one ninety. Um, Tony, is there one to you? Is it Cam Smith, or is it, is, is he not? It's not necessarily a big the, enough name. The name, but the position, yes. Okay. To me, I'll say that right now. Now, granted, I feel Evan Ingram will be back. Give me Jackson Smith and Jake. Park. <laughs> <laughs> like, like if we're gonna do this, and we got a guy who potentially is the top wide receiver on the board. Not, not everyone's gonna agree with that, right? But I'd almost feel like, all right, if we're going to go this route, right? Like, now, you're right. The corner position is a bigger need. Mm-hmm. But if I could get a guy that I think some people might have graded as a top 10 player overall in this draft and get him at 24 and get him as an offensive weapon, we don't know what Calvin Ridley's going to be. Right. You know? One year on his DLE, I, I would suspect that if he – Gets off to a great start. They're going to explore getting a contract extension done with him. But is there anything wrong with having another good receiver in the pipeline? I don't think so. I don't think there's an issue with that at all. <laughs> did uh, did was it an issue that Marquez Valdez Scantling did a big pile of poop all year long and then showed up for 116 yards yesterday? Oh, no. they're going to turn that down. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, I'm not saying you guarantee yourself getting a big game at the most important point in the season, but. Uh, Sure. Out of those options, give me Smith and Jigba. Uh, you know, and it, look, Cam Smith might turn out to be the guy. I don't have like a personal ranking of the cornerback class right now, but I agree with you. That's probably a position that I feel is a needier one for the Jags. I also feel, though, E, like you can get a, a corner sometimes in round two that's pretty good. Now you can probably say that about wide receiver as well. For yeah, sure, you can. In recent years. What do you think the biggest need for this team, E? Pass rusher? Yeah. Or something on that D-line. I should have asked, you know, outside of pass rush or in addition to pass rush, what is your biggest – we're getting a ton of pass rush, which is fine. Yeah. That's I, what uh, people feel is the biggest need. Like you, I feel like uh, Evan Ingram will be here. So, I wouldn't say – I'd probably go a corner. Like, get some depth at corner. Yeah. It's so tough to know, is there going to be a pass rusher worthy of the 24th pick? Right. right. The great ones – usually force themselves up into the Early. top 10. Uh-huh. But then again, you get some other guys, you know, that fall down like George Karloftis last mm-hmm. year, right? Uh, he was at times, I think, projected to be a top 15, top 20 type pick, and he fell to Kansas City. So you can hit that guy, Greg Rousseau, a couple of years ago. Buffalo. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so you just got to get it right, which is the same with just about any position. But 
this team can't afford to swing and miss on pass rush again. That doesn't mean you can't swing. I'm just saying you can't afford to swing and miss. You got to hit one of these uh, early guys and make sure that they're hitting the quarterback a lot. (laughs) It would be nice if they could find one. I mean, look at Joseph Asai, right, who who made the big penalty yesterday. Had a big play on Mahomes just before that. This is a guy with a ton of ability and basically hasn't scratched the surface for two years, right? Mm -hmm. Just hasn't shown you what he can do yet. Sometimes you got to be patient with these guys. And that's the problem. Like the Jags, I feel, are not in complete win now mode. You don't, you're not mortgaging the future at this stage for the Jags. But I mean, the window's open, officially yeah. open. Yeah. You know, you you lost. I don't care. I understand the circumstances with Henny coming in and Mahomes wasn't 100. percent But you lost by seven in Arrowhead to a team that's going to the Super Bowl. You've got to look at it like if we can rectify a few things here, shore them up a little bit, we can be a team that's playing at least an AFC championship weekend next year. Well, you got to build a team that can beat Mahomes and Burrow and Allen consistently at that time of year. And you're not going to do that if you can't hit them. Like, you're just – you're not going to do that. You may be able to do what Buffalo did every now and then, right, and just score with them them. back and forth. Like, that's the only other option. And right now I don't think the Jags have the offensive weapons to necessarily do that. But they certainly don't have the bullies up front to just change the game with their pass rush right now. Yeah, that whole defense wins championships, I don't think it's true anymore. Mm -hmm. But you can't play no defense. You know what I mean? Like, You can look at it and go, well, did Philly's defense win that game because they held San Fran to seven? Or did their offense win that game because they scored 31? They forced that fumble and changed the game. Sure. Absolutely. But, you know, and – their pass rush was the calling card of that defense. There's yeah. no question about it. But if Purdy doesn't get hurt on that play, yeah, who then knows? you don't know. I, I still think the way things went, I don't think he was going to be enough to overcome what Philadelphia put out either. there yesterday. No. Uh, but it's it's more like if you have to have the defense, which San Fran had, but if you don't have the capability of going toe-to-toe offensively with some of these teams yeah. and – once they be lost Purdy, they couldn't do it. Yeah, you got to be able to do both, and you need to have a guy on defense that can change the game, it, right? Like, you just need somebody on that side of the ball that can change the game in a moment. He may not be able to do it for all four sure. quarters, but in that moment, can change it. It's Aaron Donald getting that sack on the final play of the Super Bowl last year, right? Won him the Super Bowl because Chase is running down the sideline open. Well, look, Rayshon Jenkins wasn't great down in, down out every single down this year, yeah. but he made some of the biggest plays in that we can remember Absolutely. in defensive history. Um, I wouldn't. I think you can get that more on defense than you can on offense. I don't sure. think you're going to get those fluke 350-yard passing games. <laughs> you might get one or mm-hmm. two, uh, but you got to have the guy, uh, which we feel like we've got here. So, all right, there's one. Uh, we'll look at a few others. We'll go a little bit more rapid fire when we get into the second hour. If you want to be part of the conversation, you're welcome to at 641-1010. Uh, by the way, congrats to the 17.5% of people who voted for the Eagles-Chiefs matchup as what they expected <laughs> in the Super Bowl. They came in third. Uh, Eagles-Bengals, the overwhelming favorite. And, uh, by the way, it was a tie game with seconds left, so certainly could have gone that way, but – thought it would be Cincinnati and Philadelphia matching up in the Super Bowl. And another 24% thought it would be the Niners and the Bengals uh, matching up, neither of which obviously made it there. But 17.5% picked Eagles-Chiefs, and you are 
correct, as they say. Halfway home, you're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. And I just want to go back to this D-line thing. The difference is we don't have that one guy who can scare anybody. I got an idea for you. This is way out there. I know for a fact that he is one of the hardest working dudes in the NFL. Like the dude, like he's, he is a maniac. So if, if he plays football, he's going to give you his best. What if he go trade for Aaron Donald? All Jags, all NFL. Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right, should the Jaguars think that far outside the box? That's pretty outside-the-box thinking for this franchise, right? I mean, look, in the past, we went out and got Clays Campbell in free agency, and he came in and had a defensive player of the year-worthy kind of season, but that wasn't, I don't believe, them thinking, here's one of the last pieces that pushes them over the top. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would Aaron Donald be worth to this football team? Because, you know, here's the thing. A, put the salary cap aside because that's going to be the big hurdle. <laughs> yeah, I don't right? know how they do it. Right, but I, just more as a mental exercise. Okay. With a guy like Aaron Donald, if you could find a way to make the salary cap work and it wouldn't wreck your team, you didn't have to cut three other starters to to do it. Is Aaron Donald worth it at this point um, for a couple of reasons? A, his play on the field fell off this year. B... He has openly flirted with the idea of retiring Yep. in the last couple of years. So, A, do you believe Aaron Donald is still a difference maker? Or, and I'm not saying Aaron Donald's Hugh Douglas, but Hugh Douglas came in a pretty accomplished pass rusher in his career and looked at it like, uh, I'm just going to take a vacation in Jacksonville, collect some money and sit on my ass and not do much of anything. I'm not saying Aaron Donald is that guy, but Tony, after five consecutive years of a minimum of 11 sacks with a high of 20 and a half, and this is as a defensive tackle, Mm -hmm. you know, he's generally lived in that 12, 12 and a half sack range, right? His last five years, 11, 20 and a half, 12 and a half, 13 and a half, 12 and a half. Then this year, Aaron Donald missed games, really a significant amount for the first time in his career, but he did play 11, and he only managed five sacks. Is he still that guy? I mean, is he better than anyone the Jags have? Yes. But is he still that guy? Would I want Aaron Donald on this team? Yes. A fully motivated Aaron Donald? Absolutely. Even if it's only for a year? Yes, I would. The question becomes, what is that worth? Yeah. What do you give up for a short-term Keep your fingers crossed that every year you're going to have to convince this guy not to retire. Well, and I think we were talking around a topic that relates to what you'd be willing to do to go get a guy like Aaron Donald. Is you're, If you make a move to go get a guy like Aaron Donald, you're saying the championship window is now. All right, it's right. this is year and next year, saying? and that's it. Buffalo went out and got Von Miller, right. who was seen as, a you know at this stage, like a mercenary looking to put a team over the top. After they had brought in... He was brought into the Rams because they were doing Did the it same now, exact thing, same, right? and like, it worked out. Like they went and got a championship doing it. Do the Jacksonville Jaguars have a championship team built up enough right now that the addition of an Aaron Donald minus whatever you're going to have to let walk away, right, to bring him into the building is worth that kind of move for this football team to have Aaron Donald in the building for a year, maybe two. I I just I don't think they're at that point. I just don't. 
if it were, I think they're a good enough team that they can put some things together this year to push themselves and give themselves a chance, right, to go deep into the playoffs next year. But I don't, I don't think that it's worth whatever it would cost to go get a guy like Aaron Donald short term yet. You know, in two or three years, if they've been doing this divisional round thing and can't get past it, hurdle, hurdle, just can't get over the top, then you're you may get to a point where it's like, you know what, go for it. We got to go for it at some point here. I don't think we're at that point yet. All right, I'm just seeing what the uh, implications would be on the cap for the Rams if they trade Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. Their cap savings is three million bucks. <laughs> They're not doing it. I mean, why would you? No. Right? It'd be one thing if you could really Can you do one of those deals like baseball and just give like the trading four team could just say we'll give you fifteen million on top, you know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. I don't think that does the league allow that kind of thing in terms of what like the cash. Yeah, I don't think you could trade the cap space. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting if you could. It would, but. It's not the way that it's set up right now. So, yeah, Aaron Donald's not going anywhere. No, I mean, look, the the dead cap number, like if they were to cut him, is $44 bucks. His cap number is $26 million. But, you know, so a trade could lower it. And then maybe even designated the post-June 1st trade, you could even save maybe another $5 million or whatever the case may be. Um, but putting Aaron Donald then aside, mm-hmm. what – are you only willing to bring in a young, hungry pass rusher? Like they did with Arden Key, mm-hmm. didn't have to break the bank, got some good production, but now to bring him back, who knows what it's going to cost? Because Arden Key's probably one of the better pass rushers that's available out there right now. No doubt. You had some good ones out there last year. Didn't, you know, they prioritized Foley Fatakasi. Um, and that's not to knock Foley. That's, you know, it's the team that prioritized him, said he was the number one target in free agency. Probably expected to get a lot more out of Josh Allen. And despite the fact that we can talk all we want, he wasn't their pass rusher in Georgia. You can't pick Trayvon Walker at number one and not think he's going to have a bigger impact on your pass rush than he did, in my sure. opinion, at least. So um, if there is that equivalent, and I don't know who that guy would be. You know, it's just that Tony brought up Aaron Donald, maybe think about that on the drive in this morning. You know, for a guy like that anyway, like, would you give up a third round pick for a year of Aaron Donald? I wouldn't. Mm. Not not now. I wouldn't. A third round pick uh, with everything else that we've been discussing, probably not. Oh, man, I mean, on a, in addition to that, you've got to get the cap space to take him on. Now yeah. his cap hit here would nearly be what it is in Los Angeles because you wouldn't be paying for all that bonus money uh, coming on board. I mean, I think it's pipe dream, but don't kid yourself. The Rams maybe jettisoning off a number of players this year, you yeah. know, and uh, I think Sean McVay is only back because he probably doesn't have that ideal TV landing spot. He was talking about stepping away and probably missed his window by a year. If he had done it right after the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. he'd be making 20 plus million dollars according to some out there. But a lot of those spots are filled right now. Uh, but did he come back to go through a total rebuild? I don't know, but they've got cap issues, and that's why you hear about Jalen Ramsey being on the block. I mean, uh, Aaron Donald probably for them, I would imagine, uh, wouldn't hurt their feelings all that much if he did decide to retire this offseason sure. and take some of that cap money off. But uh, I'm with you. Overall, I don't feel like they're that one-player way. I'm not saying you should never 
try to add that veteran player no. who can help you out, but you have to consider what the long-term ramifications are. If it's just a matter of bringing them in for one year. They brought in Arden Key for one year. What did they pay him, like $7 million? Something like that, Right? Yeah. That's an acceptable risk in today's NFL. Even if that busts, you know, you got to spend money to try to make money, to try to improve your football team. It worked with Arden $4 Key. $4 million. Was it four for Arden? Yeah. Oh, that's nothing. Yeah. By NFL standards, that's – I mean, that's a lot of real money. That, that's nothing for a veteran NFL player – that had, especially one who had an impact like Arden Key yeah. did this year for the team. That's two-thirds of Jamal Agnew's salary. And um, so I wonder what uh, Key's going to draw on the open market this year. All right, well, let's I guess get, a lot more than four. I would think so. We'll get back to a little bit of a mock draft Monday on the other side. I got uh, more focus on the combination of players that uh, these folks have suggested maybe on the table for the Jacksonville Jaguars with the 24th pick in the upcoming draft. Do you want to get in 641-1010 on the phone lines or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures? Your Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day today here on Jaguars Today is simply asked, as of today, what's the biggest need that the Jaguars have heading into the rest of the offseason? Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and E.T. here with you. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Everything you need to know about the Jags. Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right, we continue along uh, what we will informally refer to as Mock Draft Mondays going forward, collecting the best of the week behind us and uh, taking a look at what they think the Jags are going to do, uh, at least at this stage, with uh, still several months to go. It's not nearly as many months as we usually have to discuss no doubt. this, though, which is nice. Uh, by the way, uh, I saw uh, Cam Smith of uh, South Carolina in several many of these mocks. He goes in the first round. Uh, I've seen him as high as 14 in some, the corner. Uh, and then uh, in many of them, he falls in the last eight or so picks behind the Jaguars selecting at 24. So uh, not that much different than what we just saw from Ryan Wilson's over at CBS. I'm just going to run through these a little bit quicker. Okay. Tone and give me your thoughts on the again. There are a lot of tight end in here, and I get it at the moment. They haven't re-signed Evan Ingram. I presume they'll continue to run with this, and then if the Jags get a deal done with Evan Ingram, they will adjust accordingly. Not necessarily all of them. I think there's some out there that would say, "Hey, let's have this great two tight end attack," which is fine at the expense of what though? You know, as we talked about, you got to have those guys on defense that can step up and make game-changing plays for you. Had a lot of those plays this year. Wouldn't want to count on, you know, that being the formula to get you past the mm -hmm. Kansas City, Cincinnati's of the world on a consistent basis. All right, this one uh, was over at Draft Countdown. Shane Hallam, who, uh, by the way, comes – a lot of these guys uh, come kind of from the fantasy world the fantasy football world, you know, they're self-styled draft analysts and they kind of do a little bit of both. Doesn't mean they don't have valid opinions, but, you know, they're not all Mel Kuyper. Let's put it that way. Right. right? Uh, Shane Hallam has him taking Dalton Kincaid, the tight end, out of Utah. So that's the second one we saw with the selection of Dalton Kincaid here. One pick later, Quinton Johnson, the wide receiver out of TCU. Mm -hmm. Who are you taking? I'm probably taking Johnson. Probably am too, right? And now, 
we'll see what he runs and all these different things. But in terms of you could make an argument he's the top wide receiver in the class. Big body guy, has speed as well. You want to talk about – I'm not saying they had the luxury to do this. I'm not even saying – I mean, Quentin Johnson could be a top 10 pick this year, right? I mean, that's this time of year. Things sure. haven't really coalesced into where these guys are coming off the board. But could you imagine if you did add that big body, do everything, contested catch, high point the ball, can still go deep, can go over the middle on third down, could do all those things, add that to Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk and Zay Jones? Mm-hmm. Now, that's a pretty good wide receiver group, potentially. Um, but I would probably go the Quinton Johnson route myself with that one. Again, a lot of that is anticipating Evan Ingram is back. Another one at DraftCountdown.com, Brian Bosarge. Never heard of the guy, but this is his 10th mock draft that he's put out so far for 2023. So at least he's been doing it. And he also has the Jags going tight end. This time it's Michael Mayer, the Notre Dame tight end, who's available. Right? Mentioned uh, Kuiper. He did his mock last week. Uh, Deontay Banks, corner out of Maryland. Don't mind the position there. You know, Kuiper may be right about his value. I've also saw a, a multi-round mock that had the Jags taking Deontay Banks in round three. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. You tell me. Uh, by the way, the guy, uh, this Bosarge guy over at Draft Countdown, yeah. look, he may be really smart. I just I just don't know him, right? So, I'm not trying to demean him or anything like that. Um You'll know if I am. Uh, Michael Mayer, the tight end, he does a three-round mock. Then he has the Jags going wide receiver in round two with Marvin Mims out of Oklahoma. So he's just loading up on the offensive weapons. Mm -hmm. And then he's the guy that has him taking Deontay Banks with the 88th pick. Um, Kuyper has him at the 24th pick. This guy has him at the 88th pick. You know, Kuyper has his misses. Everyone has their misses, right? Can guys right now are considered first-rounders in some eyes? Last until the third round, absolutely. And mm-hmm. vice versa. Can some guys who are not on the first round radar uh, pop up in there? Um, this one from thedraftnetwork.com. Anton Harrison, offensive tackle, Oklahoma. And here's the, the reasoning. Okay. The Jags would be wise to make sure their cupboard is full of offensive line talent around budding superstar quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Oh, I like the sound of that. Uh, while Walker Little has flashed, Juwan Taylor is an expiring contract at right tackle. Anton Harrison is a silky smooth athlete, Tony, with exciting length to develop into a long-term fixture for Jacksonville up front. So that sounds somewhat like a project. It does. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, all right, we yeah. we got Walker Little, we got Cam Robinson. Hopefully in a couple of years, silky smooth, exciting length develops into – and I granted, you've got to develop players. I don't know if I want with the 24th pick a guy who I've got to develop into a starter two, three years down the road. You know, I don't know if that's a bet. Like, I'm not saying you don't need offensive line depth, particularly if Juwan Taylor leaves. I'm not sure spending the 24th pick in the first round is going to be the best use of your resources. Mm -hmm. By the way, that Cam Smith corner out of South Carolina goes one pick ahead of the Jags in this one. Jackson Smith and Jigba um, goes one pick later. You'd have a lot of people screaming for the playmaker. Darnell Washington, the tight end out of uh, Georgia, goes in the first round in this one as well. And there's Deontay Banks, the corner out of Maryland, who goes with the 32nd pick here. Um, Here's one for you from 24-7 Sports. uh, And they have him taking Darnell Washington, the Georgia tight end. Um, 
you know, so again, a lot of people leaning on the fact that this is where things stand right now. This is probably the one I disagreed with the most. Okay. This is pro football focus. Has the Jags taken safety Antonio Johnson out of Texas A&M? I saw the look on your face a moment ago. Safety in the first round? Yeah, no thank you. Jack spent a bunch of draft capital on their linebackers last off season. Still couldn't stop Travis Kelsey in the playoffs. That is a true fact. Mm-hmm. So what about adding a 6'4 safety who can line up against the top tight ends in football? Johnson's one of the most versatile defensive backs in the class and would bolster Jacksonville's secondary with his athleticism. I will yeah. say this. If the Patriots made a pick like that, he'd be like, aha, right? Ah, oh, Belichick. He knows, you know, all this other stuff's window dressing because you got to figure out a way to guard Travis Kelsey in the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? And this is what Bill Belichick, he's thinking 17th dimensional chess is how Belichick is going. Right now, I would put safety very low on the likelihood of uh, being selected. In this one, Michael Mayer, the, the Notre Dame tight end, goes one pick later. Okay. I think Jaguar fans would, would have a conniption fit. <laughs> Even if they re-sign Evan Ingram, yeah. they'd be like, what? We took a safety what? Yeah. We got Rayshon. We got Cisco. Don't see it happening. Um, I don't either. Uh, Anton Harrison, the uh, Oklahoma offensive lineman, goes in the first round in this one, and we just mentioned as well. So I think that hits most of them. Jags have an extra fourth-round pick this year. We couldn't remember why. Uh, yeah. The specifics. Uh, the, <laughs> they sent a fifth and a seventh in last year's draft. Yeah. As soon as you started saying, I was like, oh, yeah, they did that. They did, right. Yeah. And we're like, because we had all those picks, and we're yeah. like, oh, they're not all going to make the team. How will they package them up to move around the draft? Well, they took those two, and they got Tampa's fourth rounder, and Tampa was just eh, kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they did win their division, but they have the 125th pick. Uh, that's now not factoring in. Obviously, uh, compensatory selections. They also have a sixth rounder from Houston and Philadelphia. They don't have their own sixth and seventh rounders this year, but they have eight when you're, you know, your usual allotment is seven. So they have all their own picks in the first four rounds. Tampa's fourth rounder, their own fifth and uh, sixth and six round picks from both Houston and Philly uh, is where they have it. From Houston via New York. So, yeah, it's Houston's pick. Went to the Jets, came to the Jaguars, and so no seventh-round pick this year. No Brock Purdy for us, I guess, Oh well, the last pick of the draft. Yeah. All right, let's let Tony take you around the National Football League right now. Now, Gems Around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. The Miami Dolphins are hiring Vic Fangio to be their defensive coordinator. Fangio has spent this year as a defensive consultant for the Philadelphia Eagles after spending the three seasons prior to that as the head coach of the Denver Broncos. The Dallas Cowboys and offensive coordinator Kellen Moore have mutually agreed to part ways. Moore has been the OC for Dallas for the last four seasons. The L.A. Chargers announced over the weekend that quarterback Justin Herbert has undergone surgery to repair a torn labrum. Herbert is expected to be cleared to participate in the team's off-season activities. League sources, oh, those famous league sources, mm-hmm. have told ESPN that the Green Bay Packers remain open to and could possibly even prefer trading quarterback Aaron Rodgers this offseason to his returning to the team for next year. Those same sources say that Rodgers is aware of the franchise's preference he still has not made any decision about his playing future for 2023 or beyond, and the Houston Texans expected to speak with San Francisco defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryan sooner rather than later about their open head coaching spot. This was 
I'm sorry, Houston. Who who was the last one you said? Houston. Yeah, target right. They they say he is the favorite. Yep. In Houston, he played for the Texans. Remember, he was the quote favorite for the Denver job, mm-hmm. and that they loved him, and that. Uh, but what was the story that? Oh, oh yeah, Sean Payton. Uh, some members of the front office maybe he didn't get along with, and Sean Payton's like, no, 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 that's not the case. Keep me in there. Uh, and so, in reaction to a story that said D'Amico Ryan's is, how do they put it, like a front runner or one of the top choices, a that, favorite maybe like that, for the yeah. Denver job, the Broncos responded, we have seven favorites. And <laughs> among those, they listed Dan Quinn, who had already pulled his name out of the running. Oh. So, makes me think that. But they like him. I'm sure they do. Yeah. He, he's one of our favorites. <laughs> Wish we could have him. And wants no nothing to do with us. Uh, the feeling was it's like a four-year-old trying to get ice cream. That's they're all my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Can I try that one as well? <laughs> Can I try that one as well? What show is? That? Oh, you ever you ever watch Hunters? No. Uh, one of the one of the characters on Hunters, which is I like it. It's about uh, mm-hmm. you know like uh, Going after uh, Jewish people in yeah. the '70s hunting down uh, actual literal World War II Nazis. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a fun show. It's like kind of over the top, but one of the characters goes into an ice cream shop. And it's like, you can, it, their slogan is, you can try all of our ice cream. You can taste that. You can sample every single one. So that dude is like, you know, let me get some of that uh, butter pecan. And yeah. it's like on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> he goes. Uh, so what was I talking about? What were we? Uh, oh, yeah. D'Amico uh, Ryan's. Denver, yeah. So D'Amico Ryan's um, maybe was the flavor of the day, so to speak, for Denver. And then it came out that. It looked like Houston was closing in on D'Amico Ryan. So it just, it was so fun. Like Denver's yeah. just kind of in cover your butt mode um, right now as to we don't want to, we don't want it to look like we got snaked on our top pick by none other than the Houston Texans. <laughs> right. And uh, I guess that's where they're at. I guess so. On that front. Isn't it so nice we don't have to go through that this year? Oh, my God. We got Dougie oh. P.E. It's all good. We're good in the hood, man. We could celebrate the one-year anniversary, and we will, coming up in three days. Turn up. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. You know, how will you celebrate Doug Peterson Day in <laughs> Jacksonville? Uh, and let's hope one day uh, he is bringing us another Super Bowl championship. Either the team he coached to a Super Bowl championship is going to win one, or the guy he coached under and Andy Reid yep. will get his second. So, good for them. That's where we want to be going forward. All right, uh, we'll come back and take a look at today's question of the day. Pretty much a runaway for pass rush, but let's see if we can go through maybe our top three needs for this football team as presently constituted. And you can factor in anything you want. Like last week, we asked if only one of these things could happen in terms of like Ridley being reinstated or Evan Ingram being re-signed. If you want to factor in and say, hey, look, in the back of my mind, I think we got Evan Ingram here. You can do it however you like, but we'll go through what we feel are some of the Jags' top pressing needs at this moment going forward and uh, we'll do that on the other side and take a look at your responses as well to the Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day this is Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM everything you need to know about the Jags Jaguars today on 1010XL all right, one thing you would learn if you were in radio for a career is that no matter how well you take care of them, your headset eventually is going to give out on you, right? You, you twist those wires up enough, you're going to get some 
some little breakage, some shorts in there, your adapters are not going to work, whatever the case may be, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'll spend like 80 bucks on a decent set of headphones because you use them every day. You know, it's just like a business expense. So I saw E was wearing some less than stellar pair of headphones the other day. Now, I wasn't about to buy him some new ones, but <laughs> I was like, hey, man, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, like, can you right. even hear out of those things? Right. So what happened? How'd you upgrade? Um, you spoke it into existence, actually. So uh, I was just at home, and I got a, a package in the mail. And whenever it's a big package, I know I didn't order it. Cliff, I know Cliff sent me something. Cliff Averill. Cliff Averill. Yep. He, he's always sending me random stuff. Turns out he knows people. <laughs> oh, That's he how does. this got resolved. He's he knows, ra- he's he knows random- a lot of people. He's randomly sending me stuff. So he sent me some swag, and I open up the swag, and I see a bunch of jerseys, like game jerseys, like from his former teammates who I knew. He's like, you want any of these? I'm like, yeah. So I got like a Bruce Irving jersey. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was like, man, give me all of those, man. I'll figure it out. He's like, all right, cool. So he sent the package. But also in the package, there was like a briefcase at the bottom. When I lifted it up, I'm like, Oh, this is weird. And there was like a Bose, a Bose uh, emblem on it. I was yeah. like, this is a little light to be anything Bose, but whatever. So I, I put it down, I opened it up, and all I heard was, y'all. Because <laughs> as I opened it up, I see these $2,500 headphones that was gifted to his Super Bowl winning team. I'm like, oh, I remember these. I wanted those. <laughs> and they're actually like emblazoned with like uh, special logos on the side commemorating the Seahawks uh, Super Bowl victory up in New York against the Denver Broncos. Uh huh. But what's also cool about them is they have four diamonds in them on each side. And the fact that they're worth twenty five hundred bucks makes me think those are real diamonds yeah. in them. Yeah. Uh, they're small, but they're mine have no diamonds, Tony. No, my seventy or eighty dollar <laughs> headphones uh, come with no diamonds of any size. So uh, how long? Now are you going to be super careful with these? Obviously, you're using them at work. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna try. I mean, I'm not gonna carry around the briefcase that they came in. I got like a little sack, and you know, I'll try to be careful. But I mean, you know, it's, it's the business. You gotta work, right? They're work. they're a tool of the trade now for right. you. Now, I ain't gonna slam them down when I get upset. I'll be a little more careful. <laughs> good story. Yeah, that's a good point there. And, and plus, you can always. I mean, I'm sure some of the things that we have uh, go wrong with our headsets. If we had, you know, handy engineer sitting next to us, he could fix it in no time. Sure. Right? But. We're like, yeah, just get another. <laughs> we'll get another. Get another set of headset. It's <laughs> seventy bucks for two years. Right. Write it off on my taxes. So even if yours go down, like the because the wires eventually they will will break. Right. That's just how it happens. They get tugged on. They get bent. Whatever the case may be, you could probably get those fixed if you wanted to. Probably, or if anything, if once they start working, I'll find somewhere cool to hang them up in the house next to his jerseys or something. Right, or, or you know, sell them to someone unsuspecting. Say, no, you can't test these out. Are you kidding me? This is true. These are Super Bowl headsets, man. I'm not going to put them on your head. And if you want to pay the freight, you go right ahead. So it's they look true. good on you, E.T. I appreciate it, Michael. All flashy in there. Every time he turns his head, I get a little sparkle of diamonds. Bling, bling. Coming my direction. All right, uh, E, won't you fire up that 10 uh, 10 take and we'll discuss today's question of the day. 10, 10, 10, 10, take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 10, 10, take brought to you by Northern Tool. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. We're made for this. All right. Uh, the question of the day that we asked you today was, as of today, what is the biggest need the Jaguars have heading into the offseason? Uh, you could easily say it's tight end, right? Because as of today, there's only one under contract. But also, mm-hmm. as of today, my feeling is that there's a plan in place to address that and so 
I don't feel like the need is as great because you have an in-house alternative that at the very least you can apply the franchise tag to Evan Ingram, for instance. So from that standpoint, I agree with the majority here who are saying pass rush is the biggest need for this team. Affect the quarterback, the opposing quarterback in a big way. Uh, Would you agree or do you think it's something else? No, I think it's pass rush. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's almost put that out of the equation because the – most people mention pass rush okay. as the number one thing. What's your next biggest need for this football team? Corner. Lockdown corner. Yep. Someone to play opposite Tyson. <sighs> I think so, too. But Darius Williams played much better outside this year, right? Didn't he? Don't you feel he like did, he yeah. played better outside than inside, for sure. Yeah. And so what happens if you go ahead and get an outside corner? What happens if you're throwing Darius Williams back in the slot where he struggled at times this year? Or is he just now – quality depth for you I think he can do both I think he may still be your best you know kind of nickel guy right and he may have still been the best nickel guy on this team even when he got moved outside but they didn't have anybody else they could play outside uh-huh. right so he's being asked to do it and he's an effective player doing it but I don't think he's anything above okay you know, at either spot. I think he's okay at both spots, but they could use a major upgrade at either one of those. Was he a slot guy in L.A.? No. Or, so he was an well, outside he, he guy. He played both. He, play, he played some of both, yeah. yes. Like, I agree with Tone. Like, the next thing, we need corner depth because if one of those guys go down, then it's trouble. Right, and I agree with that, but, like, do we need a corner? Hey, look, there's nothing wrong with having one. Right. I'm just saying you, you're going to – even if you – Decide Evan Ingram's back, right? That's mm-hmm. two tight ends on your depth chart, right? Um, even if Calvin Ridley is reinstated, you're not 100% sure how he's going to play. True. And he's only on the last year of his deal as well. So is it crazy if one of these guys that maybe you have graded as a top 12 player at wide receiver. That's not crazy at all. Steve, not crazy, no. right? Is it crazy to think that if Juwan Taylor is not back, that you are looking for a tackle because you can never have enough quality tackles. I don't think it's crazy. Mm-hmm. No. We've already seen somebody suggest taking a safety that's in the first just, round. No, that's just crazy. That's a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a smidge crazy. What if it was a penetrating defensive tackle? I don't yeah. 100. Right? Yeah. So, you could, you all these things. Yeah. So, th- there's a world where you say, yeah, we do need corner. But yeah. you know what? We might be able to – maybe we like a couple of nickel corners that we could get – that we think project to be good nickel corners yeah. in the third round, plan to play Darius Williams as your primary guy, create some competition by – like they did a few years – they brought in Sidney Jones from almost nothing, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's Sidney Jones, but uh, a vet like that, that maybe you can bring in on the cheap, compete, create some depth. So, well, as, uh, if they go out and they find a lockdown corner at, at, with the 24th pick, I'm not going to complain about it. I just think that – even though that's a big need, there may be different ways that you can address that need. Sure. But I, I think you can do that with any of the needs, right? There are different ways that you can attack a lot of these spots. I, I think when you're just looking at the big picture, what do I think the biggest needs are? I think corners right near the top of that list with what they currently have available. Right, and we're putting pass rush to the side because we all agree that that's a massive need. But you might not have the value. You might sit there at 24 and go, you know what, there's just not a – we can't make him worth the 24th pick if he's not worth the 24th pick. In Mel Kuyper's mock where, you know, he had him taking a corner, it was like this is the fifth corner off the board in the first round. Right. You know, at that point, I'm not sure if there's a 
not a better value along the defensive line that there is a corner at that point. Or if the tight end comes more into play for me because of how many corners have already come off the board and you feel okay about that next tier of the cornerbacks available in this draft. I think all those things come into play. We're so early on in this conversation that it's hard to even have a guess as to what that will be. Granted, it's it's January 30th, right? We're going to have this conversation. The parameters are going to change, but – for sure. You know, it's just fun to be like having general, this conversation for the first time, yeah. and it's almost February. In general, pass rush and corner are right at the top of my needs for this team. All right, I'll skip everyone who mentioned pass rush because 90% of them mentioned pass rush, right? Either they were making a list of multiple positions or that was the only one they mentioned. So understand that that was mentioned frequently. Your Chad and Sandy real estate question of the day asking you, as of today, what's the biggest need the Jaguars have heading into the rest of the offseason? Uh Deanster said he, he gave a list: defensive tackle, corner, okay. number two running back. I mean, it's a need, but I don't feel like it's like like I wouldn't. It's not a priority compared to some of these other things. Mm-hmm. It is a need. Yep, but it's not. It's it's a little bit different to me. Uh, left guard and number two tight end because I presume he thinks Evan Ingram would be back as well. Uh, let's see. I thought this was interesting. Uh, position from Crash: defensive tackle that can get push and pressure. Non-position, further knowledge of offense and defensive system that they play in. See, here's the thing. We put this out there, and most people are going to gravitate towards, what do you need on the field? Pick a spot, yeah. Honestly, what's what's the biggest need, in my opinion? The best thing that can happen is another quantum leap from Trevor Lawrence Mm -hmm. in his ability, his processing ability, his knowledge of the offense, his comfortable uh, comfortability in the offense, his confidence, his 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 starts getting faster, you know, more consistent play from the start of the first quarter to the end of the fourth quarter so you don't have to make all these comebacks. Trevor Lawrence is going to carry I, – I feel like you could take all the new players that you come in together and that may be equal just by yeah. whatever improvement you see from Trevor Lawrence well, this year in terms I, of impact. I think there's an expectation that we'll see it. Right with Trevor because we saw the leap from year one to year two and especially the second half of the season. So there's this excitement about how big this is going to be going from year two to year three. But I think along we we have pass rush. Most of us do at the top of this mm-hmm. list of needs. I think along those lines, Trayvon Walker turning into a pass rusher in this league would be be tremendous, massive. Be ma- right for this football team, but that's still that same need. Yeah, it's it's the but different route of how you might acquire. Right, it. but there's a whole lot less confidence that Trayvon Walker turns into that than we see Trevor Lawrence take another big step. Correct, forward. but if he did, if he did, it'd be then awesome. all of a sudden you talk about resource allocation. Yeah. even if you went out and drafted one highly, if Trayvon Walker becomes instead of a three and a half sack guy a nine and a half sack guy, and he becomes that. Consistently, that nine to twelve range for the next four or five years, what a massive difference that would be, no doubt, for this football team. Just a few more uh, O line, specifically guard, uh, a Super Bowl win. Yeah, <laughs> they, I'm right on board with you there, David. Uh, someone to minimize the damage tight ends have made against this team. Corner and safety, anyone that can help cover a tight end. Again, I'm skipping all the pass rush. Uh, corner, tight end. I think it's corner inside. Um, IOL interior inside interior offensive line. line. I, was, I thought that was a linebacker thing at first. Interior offensive line, interior defensive line, and tight end all mentioned uh, by one person there. 
We've hit most of them. It, pass rush, I would say, followed by corner. Uh, better officiating comes in from uh, suffering Jag fans. Says every team who's been eliminated uh, from the NFL playoffs. Everyone. And then uh, one, uh, whatever Trevor Lawrence says it is. Uh, not quite. Not, not, not quite that far. Uh, but uh, his own development, absolutely key to how big of an improvement the Jags make in 2023. Let's say hello to XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping the sports world spinning with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. All right, Josie is in the house. Hello, Joseph. How hello, are you? Hello, hello. Um, I, I listened to your Dewey Awards. Yeah. I couldn't listen past a certain point because, you know, the, the worst take of the year and there was not a single submission of a hacker tweet. Yeah. Not even one. <laughs> that is true. Not listen, even one. The uh, the judges, uh, they had a difficult time. And I think since uh, Matt and I both had bad takes on the show. Sure. They figured right. they'd go ahead and. and right. You're going to put your, throw yourself <laughs> out there before you throw somebody else out there. Yeah. But. My man was having quite a playoff run, let's just say, uh, over the last few weeks of the year. We did make him a nominee, and then he was a nominee thinking he had won. And so it it ended up being the media member of the year was was Coach Campa. And and so he – and then he just – Oh, Hacker was a nominee? He was a nominee. In in which – but – because, because just, just media member of the year. Oh, okay, yeah, media yeah, member yeah, of the year. Yeah. I got. So you. we got to him, uh, announce the nominees. All right, all he, right. He, he thought he was accepting. Oh, he <laughs> thought he was giving a speech. No, 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 no. I was just talking simply in the in the bad take category. We, we all have bad takes, oh, yeah, right? We yeah. all have some uh, bad takes, but and it's funny because coming out of that London game is when I was worried, and that's when Trevor basically said. I need to quit making these stupid mistakes. Sure. Giving the ball away. Of course, and, and, the winner was a guy who had called in on the pop-off line to yeah. say, NFL, not for Lawrence. Just a great Oops. line. <laughs> Oopsie. So sorry. Just a great line. <laughs> it is. Uh, Joe, what do you guys have cooking today? Well, you know, we're, we're going to come at it, uh, you know, I guess going forward. And, and I love the fact that, you know, you guys were looking at the draft and all this kind of stuff, that we've had the benefit of not really talking draft until here we are a couple days before February, uh, you know, and really like digging in. But anyway, we're going to go free agents. We're going to go draft. But then look at this, the, you know, these last two games, Kansas City with their win. I would love to have seen overtime. We all know what led to it. Maybe some bad officiating. Certainly a bad decision by Asai uh, hitting Mahomes, and he was on the other side of that white line. That, that's a full yard. You say anything you want about the officiating. Yeah. If you just don't hit the guy after he's taken two steps out of yeah. bounds, yeah, then you're, fine. you're probably going to overtime. Yeah, you're fine. Right? And so anyway, we'll look at both those games. You, you, you felt bad. I don't know if you can say you felt bad, but you know Brock Purdy had pretty much a Cinderella run up until that point, but you felt bad for him and, and Johnson for both of those guys getting hurt. Uh, but we'll look at all, of, all, all, all both of those games a lot of different ways. Yeah, I, I would say uh, for me in the regular season, I always root for overtime because mm-hmm. I don't care who wins, and I just want more fantasy points. True. In the postseason, True. I want a Kansas City to win. I want nothing to do with overtime. I like yeah. I I just for me like I get it. If Joe Burrow were our, our quarterback, we'd love it, mm-hmm. right? But he's not. And so the the whole cockiness thing, yeah. you know, I love Mahomes after the game. I don't have any cigars, but I am going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So it was beautiful. I thought that was perfect because he he at least got over on him. Because you're right, maybe uh, you started smoking Stogie's divisional week instead of 
championship that right league? like i thought that was a little weird too like yeah. now this is every postseason game we're yeah. doing a cigar yeah. is that yeah. what we're doing i guess I yeah guess. all right uh joe uh what's your early uh who you got philly or kansas you know city? it's it's funny i'm sitting in the game last night and i'm saying i like the eagles based on what the kansas city was struggling to do but if they get healthy i'm probably going to be on the chief side yeah it's tough man uh that that pass rush by philly is oh my God. no joe uh, hassan reddick oh my God. Uh, no, Joe. Well, four guys with yeah, ten or and more. Sweat and all of them. Yeah, yep. they really, really good. Uh, Joe, have a great show. All right, thank you. All right, there you go. Tony Smith, have a great day. Thank you. A little mock draft Monday to ease our way into some. Yeah, it's January thirtieth, man. I can, I, <laughs> I can live with that. Next year, I don't want to start it until February, like mid February. Yeah. Yeah, let's push it back further and further as far as we can. Et, uh, wrap up those headsets very nicely now. All right, bet. A few extra tissues in that box as we put that away until tomorrow, and uh, that'll do it for us. We'll put Jaguars away, uh, Jaguars today away until tomorrow. <laughs> I'll put all the Jags. We're, we're stuffing them in a box. Uh, John Shipley going to join us on Thursday in studio, so we're excited about that. We will have Tom McManus uh, throughout the offseason, but uh, most of our regular in-season lineup is on hiatus now until we get closer to training camp once again. So we all appreciate everything that those guys contributed all throughout the season. So, for Tony Smith and E.T., I'm Mike Dempsey. Thank you for listening to Jaguars Today. XL Primetime coming up next on 1010XL 92.5 FM.